another edition of the Section 113 podcast coming to you from Dallas, Texas today, along with Michael Holton. I'm Travis Demers, and Michael, we've got a special guest with us today. First time we're welcoming a live guest, well, live to tape guest, into this space, and that would be Mark Tyndale, Trailblazers assistant coach. And we are fortunate, and you say live guests like we have had dead guests in the past. <laughs> Welcome, Coach. I mean, like, not pre-tape guests. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a he thing has for a us. Pulse. No, this is a thing for us. We are fortunate to have you, man. Thanks for spending this time with us. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Happy hey, before, New Year. Before, happy New Year. Before we go any further, happy birthday to you. Today is your birthday. No problem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, appreciate uh, it. Before we, we get into a lot of things we wanted to talk about, um, this is an opportunity for us to also introduce you to Rip City because a lot of Blazer fans see your face. They might not know a whole lot about you or your story. So tell us first what, what you do with the Trailblazers now in your third year with the team. So now I'm an assistant coach. Uh, I started off as player development. Uh, I was player development in Toronto uh, with the Raptors uh, for three years. Uh, I came right after the championship season. Uh, I played for Nick Nurse uh, in the G League. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to be a coach once uh, my phone stopped ringing in Europe. Uh, he said, Mark, you can come coach. You was a great leader for us. You're one of the hardest playing players I ever had. And that led me to the NBA. So so with that, for you, I mean, th- there's that moment where anybody who's played a sport decides, you know what, I'm, I'm hanging up the shoes and I'm going to go to the sidelines. You had opportunities to keep playing. Yeah. So for you, like, what was the, the challenge there to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go overseas. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to decide to be a coach. What what made you make that ultimate decision? It's funny because that my phone slowed down, and also I, I didn't know what was next for me. Uh, the NBA was my only option. That was plan A and plan B. So once I made a career in the NBA Development League and played in Europe and – build a relationship with different coaches and different players. My relationships is what got me here, and I hope my relationships get me to a higher level. And I was fortunate enough to meet a guy like Chauncey Billups on the end of his career. Uh, we was working out at Impact in Las Vegas, and I would run through a wall for him because I always grew up looking up to him and how great of a player he was. And we built a relationship, and once he started doing TV, and stuff like that. He saw me with the Raptors. He always encouraged me to keep going. He was proud of me. And when he took over as a head coach, he called Nick to get me over here with him. And Nick gave him, you know, his blessings and said, uh, Mark, it'll be great for you. And that's how I ended up in Portland. So, Mark, I you've always struck me as relational, right? Yep. Easy to talk to, easy to unpack things about basketball. I want to kind of go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Prior to what you just shared with us about uh, your journey into coaching, yes, to sir. playing, junior high school, high school, were you always the guy that was the connective tissue on a team relationally with guys or, or related to coaches? That, that, that's funny. Uh, I always had a great relationship with all my coaches. It's amazing that I am a coach now. I never seen myself as a coach. All that being said, I always play hard. And when I come from in Philadelphia, that's all you know is to play hard, play the right way, play defense, play tough. And me playing for a tough head coaching, Bill Ellaby and Leonard Poole, that led me to John Chaney, which was a, a disciplinarian. We had to be up at 530 in the morning for practice. That's what time to start. So I had so much discipline coming into this game. I – all I know is the work and give it all I got. And I come from the playground. I come from the 
the streets of Philadelphia where you got to play hard to survive. So I want to follow up with a question, not about comparing old school to new school and what it was like for you as a player to what today's players like, but I do want to ask you about player development because fans hear that term and they don't know what it means. Mm. You know, you got player development coaches and then you have assistant coaches and you see coaches working out with two or three players consistently. Like I see you with Jeremy Grant. I see you with Matisse. And last night I saw you before the game with Skyler. Can you talk a little bit about what player development is? That's a, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Player development is more so you spend more time on the court with the guys. You can be a practice player also. You need an extra body at practice because we got so many guys that go down and stuff like that. So it's like with a player development job, and this is to all the young coaches that's listening, be in great shape. Be a, be Have a good spirit about you. Be positive because you got the guys like Roy Rogers and Scotty Brooks and Steve Hetzel and Chauncey Billups. They're coming up with the game plan. So they need guys on the court getting our guys better. And then they're going to tell you what these guys need to work on or what they should be working on. And you also, as a player development coach, you want your player to crack that rotation. So it's coming in late at night shooting with the guys. It's watching film. It's breaking down film. It's having a relationship with the guys so they can trust you so the head coach can ultimately trust them to get on the floor and do their thing. Yeah, so with that, I mean, you, your, your job obviously has a lot of layers, yes. right? So you're in the coaches' meetings. You're helping coming up with game plans. You're scouting for the opponents. You're doing all those things. And then you're out there two and a half hours before the game with one, two, three different guys going through their pregame routines. Sometimes that's after the games. That's on off days. That's all kinds of things. So – for you, just a time management with all this stuff. And if you're working with different guys, whether it be Matisse or Jeremy Grant or Malcolm or whoever it might be, those three guys could have three completely different routines and the things that they do to want to get ready. So how do you keep all that stuff together? That's, a, that's another great question. Uh, I will think you have to do what the team needs you to do. So if Coach wants Malcolm to run the team, we got to work on spot shots, we got to work on pick and roll stuff. Then a the guy like Scholar, we got to work on him picking up full court, him getting to the paint, making plays for others if he his number get called. Then you got a guy like Jeremy Grant that got a little more isolation. He's playing defense. He has to – he's getting ATOs ran for him. So his workouts is different from Scholar's and Malcolm. So you're right. So you got to cater to who you're working with. And also you got to ultimately – do what the coaching staff need for the guys to be successful on the court. And the fancy stuff is what they do with their trainers in the summertime. I don't have time for that. I got to work on what's going to get you paid and what's going to help us win games. Interesting uh, combination of responsibilities. Uh, I kind of want to ask the question now from the standpoint of big picture, smaller picture. So coming out of training camp, let's say you got three or four guys that are on your radar that you're going to be responsible for their player development. And now you get 20 games into the season and the team has a need to be better uh, guarding the ball, Hmm. has to be better in a way that comes on your desk with one or two of your guys. How do you now then break that down and communicate? Because I see coaches all the time with the laptop, with the video. Are you now targeting that skill set and showing them in game action? Walk, Walk me through kind of how you you bring that into reality. 
It's funny what you say. I know you was a head coach before, and I know you did a great job with a lot of guys. But what I will say to that is you have to cater your relationships to the individual. And what I mean by that, just because I work with these guys, that don't mean I don't give Shayton some tips. That don't mean I don't talk to Anthony Simon. That don't mean I don't talk to Chris Murray. If I see something, I'm going to address it or help them. And whether I show them, talk to them, or whatever the case is, or sometimes coach might need me to talk to Baji, and Baji's been great for us. Just like today, we had a great practice, and Baji is probably everybody's favorite around here. But also, Baji made a few mistakes today, and I had to correct them. And it was a tough conversation I had with him, but he understood it, and he's humble enough to accept it. Trailblazers assistant coach Mark Tyndale is with us here on the Section 113 podcast. This is year three for this staff, but in a lot of ways, it's like year one. Right, mm. you had different expectations in year one, then in year two, um, you make a couple of trades, bring a couple of guys in, you get off to a hot start. Right, I think you're eleven and four, or something like that, and then the injuries started to pile up, and the end of year two was a lot like the end of year one. Now year three, you're looking at a completely different roster. Right, you had four players on the opening night roster this year that were on the opening night roster last year, and that included a couple of guys who were rookies last year. So how has that changed the focus on things when, yeah, of course, you've got rookies, you've got young guys, you've got 19, 20-year-old kids, but now you've also got a couple of new veterans in the team, and so many things are different. So how has that changed the way that you approach things just in terms of getting this team to come together? Uh, well, that's starting off with, you know, we got a great leader in Chauncey Billups, and he give a lot of guys power to – you know, help these young guys out. And we know we got a new team and we know we're developing. And our front office did a great job of finding us, finding us great young talent that's pretty good, like starting off with Scoot, Shaden, Chris Murray, Tumani. So roles are changing. And also we got to make sure that the young guys are listening to the veteran guys in terms of Jeremy Grant, Matisse Thibel, uh Anthony Simon, this is six year in the league, even though he's probably twenty four years old, I'm I think. So with all them different ages and personalities, we gotta try to bring them all together. And that starts with small groups working out, individual workouts, showing film, showing good habits. A guy like Anthony learned from a guy like Damian Lillard that was a great player here and was great for the community. So he had that to look forward to. Now we got somebody like Chauncey Billups who did it at the highest level, who Scoot can talk to, who was the third pick, who started off pretty slow and figured it out. So when Scoot going through tough times, he got somebody he can lean on. And Scoot is progressing so well. And Shaden, man, I'm so happy from where he's at last year to where he's at now. And sky's the limit for them two guys. And a guy like DeAndre Ayton that had, like, winning qualities about him when he got here from, you know, his experience in Phoenix with a lot of veteran guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So uh, we're trying to blend all that together, and it's a learning process for everybody, but we're working our tail off. You know, you talk about player development. You talk about roster development, Travis. And, and when you have adversity, injury adversity or adversity in general, and you yep. always have it in a season, and you have young guys – what does it take to keep them focused on the big picture of development when sometimes winning and losing, uh, you're not stacking up the wins, you're not getting the reward close to the effort? How do you keep them focused? I will say teaching them about the lifestyle of the NBA. 
You might got four games in a week. You might be preparing for Luka one night, Jason Tatum the next. You got to watch film. You got to know that DeMar DeRozan loves to go right. You got to know that Kyle Lowry loves to go left. You got to know that Freddie Van Fleet pick up the ball full court. So you got to prepare them mentally for that. It's a different city, a different player, a different night. So they bodies got to get used to that and they mind more than anything. So I think that starts with film taking care of themselves, recovery, and also still getting their work in and making sure they get rest and eating right. You know, I I don't like to go back to when I played because I wasn't a great player, but I played on a team <laughs> that had a lot of challenges. I went in the expansion draft to Charlotte, and we went 20-62. and 62. And, and so we broke the season down into five-game segments or eight-game segments, and we were trying to win two games out of every eight. You know, as coaches, sometimes you try to – create these scenarios where players can can see the finish line and, and see the resetting and see the restarting. You know, in today's NBA, to your point, you're playing so much, it's coming at you so fast, and you're so young. What I heard you speaking to was the professionalism. And when I watch this team and I look at Malcolm Brogdon, I look at Jeremy Grant, I, I look at Matisse, and they're they're like role models. They're quiet veterans. And, and so I feel the leadership being communicated, and, and we don't see the verbal leader. And, and Chauncey's so relational, and you're relational, and Scotty Brooks has his way. I'm just trying to get you to kind of help our fans understand how these guys develop this interconnective competitive tissue in the absence of the visible vocal leader. Uh, I don't know how to quite answer that question, but for a guy like Malcolm, for example, Malcolm talked to them guys about everything from financial literacy to how to prepare yourself for a game, how to watch film, how to watch your minutes on the plane. So you might not see it on the court, but it goes on behind the scenes. And Jeremy Grant, he lead by example. He does a lot of good things for these guys. He invite them over to his house start the season off to have dinner and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that most people don't see. And I think the biggest thing is to help people without getting no credit for it, if that makes sense. Like, that's that's how I get pleasure. And somebody like me that's helping as a coach, I also, that I got a relationship with Malcolm and Jeremy, I also hey, tell Shay he should do this a little bit more. He might need to hear from you. Tell him the, your struggles when you was with the Sixers. Jeremy, Malcolm, you was the rookie of the year. That might can help Scoot figure it out and tell him what you had to overcome and what – obstacles you had to fill so stuff like that so i don't know how we can make it more like visual but they do do it and chauncey does a good job of that also so losing sucks right nobody wants to lose yeah and losing is not fun for everybody but at the same time you, you got to keep some good vibes and sometimes you'll see you know guys laughing or having a good time which that's life man you, you got to find some pleasure in things and from the outside, it's like, hey, why is that guy smiling? They just lost seven games in a row. But if you don't, it's just going to compound, and you're going to lose 20 games in a row. You're, you don't need to mention teams that have been in that situation. So how do you balance that when you talk about a team that isn't getting the wins and losses results, but you want to stay positive? Absolutely. And I don't know. I, the times have changed. Yeah. So it's like 
the way I, I I used to get mad, these guys don't get mad that way anymore. But they got different ways they do it. They might they got access to gyms that I never had access to, so they could shoot themselves out of a yeah. slump or something like that. Get some reps in. They could watch plenty of film. They got YouTube. They got all that kind of stuff. So they got families. They got people they could vent to. Uh, they got Doctor Green, <laughs> and she's been great for our organization, by the way. Uh, so it's people like that that they can talk to, and they don't have to. You know, show it sometimes. So, yeah. uh, I don't know how to quite answer that question, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Let me share this with you, man. Uh, I want to say thanks because in listening to you unpack this for for us and for our fans, it, it's a level of insight that that fans don't get into what coaching in the league is like and what player development is like and the currency of these different relationships. And the reason I say thanks is I'm looking at you smiling, thinking about when I became a head coach, Larry Brown said to me, what are you going to do to move the game forward? Mm. And it was an overwhelming statement that was quite humbling. And I say thanks because everything you're describing is moving the game forward. As you deposit into players, all of the experiences that you're articulating to our fans it moves the game forward in the way that they perform, in the way that they communicate to the people that look up to them. And so I just say thanks for sharing with our fans and with us and letting us get a look into what coaching in the league is like. I will say we got a great fan base. They cheer for us. They 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 there every night for us. Uh, I see some people like on the street, I might got my blazer sweatsuits on. I love what you guys are doing with these guys, stuff like that, people in my neighborhood at the coffee shops that know I'm a Blazer assistant coach. They just love the energy of the young guys. And that's that feels good when you know you're not actually getting the wins that you would like. And I think that we're all learning something in this process. And all that being said, coming into this game with coaching Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Freddie Van Fleet, I learned so much from these guys that I'm trying to share that to these, to the to the Portland Trailblazers players, that what I learned from them, like for example, like Scholar, like I had to tell him Freddie Van Fleek was a non drafted guy. He was the fourth point guard when you only have three point guards on the roster. You got to pick up full court. He sat next to the coach every day, like stuff stories that he told me. I try to share that with Scholar because I didn't experience that, but Freddie did. And my relationship trying to help Skylar become a better player, all this kind of stuff goes into coaching. And it's all about relationships and also having them tough conversations. You can't just be their friend. You got to let them know what's going on and what the coach expect from you. So we're here, what, 32, 33 games into the season. It's a long trip, man. Got five more games left on this trip as we sit here on the off day in Dallas. Go back home for a few games, back on the road. You know, there's still a good chunk of the season left, 50 games. What is the goal? Like, how do you how do you quantify things the rest of the year? Are you looking at development? Are you looking at you know we want to be better tomorrow than we were today? What is the goal of this team as you progress the next fifty so or fifty or so games? Uh, well, all I'm thinking about is the game tomorrow against Dallas. Yeah. I want to bounce back. I want to get a win. I want to keep building good habits with the guys. I want to keep on leading by example, being positive, but also you know, helping these guys be better and helping them, you have to coach them. And that's criticism sometimes. So all that being said, I don't know how to look to the end. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about having a good practice today, which we did. I'm thinking about breaking down film to show Jeremy and Malcolm and Matisse and them guys how we can get better 
going into the game tomorrow and the game plan and how Kyrie Irving and Luka how to stop them guys. So it's game by game and stacking days. You know, I, I got a question. I'm just curious about coaching. I love coaching, right? Yep. I love the game of basketball. And you said video, and it just it stuck out to me. Because as I see coaches with the computer, with players, and then I know that we have a video layer to the mm-hmm. organization. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship of the video collection and editing that ends up on your computer that you show to a player? Is that something you do? Is that something you, is done for you? Kind of how does that work? That's a great question. Uh, our video coordinators are coaches. We don't look at them as video coordinators. They title, but we got Eli, we got Jason, we got Ike. They do a great job. So what they do is break down games, give it to the coaches, and the coaches edit the games how they want it. And then to the player, is catered to them. So Anthony Simon edit is totally different from Skylar Mays or – Chris Murray's is depending on your assistant coach who you work with directly, break down your film for you individually. Then we show a big edit to the team, offensive stuff that Dallas might run, how they scheme defensively. So we show that to the group and all the above. All right, it's a Section 113 podcast. Trailblazers assistant coach Mark Tyndale is joining us. Uh, you rushed over here from practice. It's your birthday. you got a lot of stuff going on here. Another game tomorrow, man. We really appreciate you taking the time and hanging out with us for a little bit and, and giving the fans a, a little peek behind the curtain as, as to what you guys go through on a daily basis. So I would just say, man, I appreciate you guys again for having me, and I just want the guys to keep getting better and keep working hard and uh, forget my birthday, man. Let's try to get this win tomorrow. (laughs) As always, you can listen to every Trailblazers game. Michael Holton and I, along with Curtis Long and Chad Dewing as well, on the Trailblazers Radio Network. Friday night, tip-off at 5.30 on our flagship station, 6.20 a.m., Rip City Radio in Portland. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Section 113 Podcast.